fellow Zeros. Thanks for tuning in to Zeros Talking Heroes, the podcast that wants you to know right off the bat we had a vasectomy. Mm-mm-mm. Did you get it? Yep. Is it the one you changed to? Yep. <laughs> Damn it! So, fun fact, I legitimately, I put my bet in, and then ten minutes later that line happened, and I was like, fuck, I really like that line. And I just never bothered to change it. So, I, all of us were on the same page on this one, so good for us. All right. It's like we podcast together. We tied now? My name's Joe, and I have with me here my two gourmet jelly beans. <laughs> hey. To talk to you about the movie American Splendor. They are Corey. See, now I don't feel nearly as bad about my bet, because it is the podcast that recommends the pina colada. They're excellent and authentic tasting. And Siegel. My non-winning one. <laughs> the podcast identifies with those nerds. I think that was an appropriate one. It is. Yeah. But I won. So. You sure did. When uh, when he changed it, I was like, I like your first bet, but it's just almost too apropos. Too on the nose. So yeah, we reviewed American Splendor, but before we get into any facts or what we've been watching or stuff like that, we have an email, and it's from our friend Alex. Alex writes, Hey ZTH gang, it's been a minute. Hope you all are doing well. You all have done a great job at hitting a lot of the all-time comic-inspired cinematic greats. I'm unsure where my list of recommendations is this have disappeared to, but correct me if I'm wrong. Have you done the Tim Burton OG 1990 Batman yet? Nope. It's one of the last Batmans we have left to do. True. Or the Batman Beyond Return of the Joker? Nope. Two for two. That one's on Amazon. Is it? It really? is. Yes. Sorry to Matt, whom I know isn't a huge Batman fan, but these are great and would love to hear all of your thoughts on them. Don't worry, you won't hear Matt's. That's true. That's very true. Ree Bennett, thanks for the shout out, but unfortunately your compulsions towards Overhyped sandwiches that require one to take out a small subprime loan in order to afford an otherwise common meal is against my religion. I pray that you too repent of your sinful proclivity towards expensive garbage and turn towards the light. For as it says in Matthew 6, 4, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money slash Chick-fil-A. Church is free, Bennett. Church is free. And so is Taco Bell, almost. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Stay blessed. Another entry in the saga of religious fast food wars, which is... I don't how know how we, we got here. How did we get here? I don't know what happened. So the most important part of that email, I spent $10 at Taco Bell on Sunday, and I was full for the entire day. I, Taco when, Bell's phenomenal. When I go, when I go to Taco Sometimes Bell... Sometimes it is. When I go to Taco Bell for me and my wife, I get... An important amount of food, and it's cost me like eighteen dollars. I get the exact same thing every time for the two of us, but it's more food than we. I kind of want to know what you get now. Uh, it's two quesadilla meals with a number of extra soft tacos with no lettuce and a number of cheese roll-ups. I do not feel comfortable disclosing how many of each of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, based on based on price, we could yeah. we could we could reverse, yeah, you guys engineer, reverse engineer it. What comes with a meal? A taco. Bell. It's a the quesadilla, a taco, and a drink. Oh, the, so the tacos like they're fry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Which is uh, strange because one of the meals is in fact just fries, tacos. Yeah. Or tacos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have nacho fries too. I don't they know do have nacho meal. fries now. I um, I sometimes instead of getting the quesadilla, go with just the three tacos. But once I order that meal, I then order essentially an entire other meal. I also order a quesadilla. <laughs> No, I, I go to. I just ordered three more tacos. Two chicken quesadillas, and I get a, a Frito beefy burrito. Okay, there you go. It comes around ten bucks. 
I go to Chalupa Meal. That's that's or usually the five dollar box, depending on what's in it. Now, when the Bacon Club Chalupa is back in town, I frequent Taco Bell quite often, <laughs> and I have the exact amount of money laid out. I hit all the Taco Bells in the area. It's like a game. <laughs> <laughs> I when I was in when I was in grad school, I was living off campus with a number of people that love to uh, inhale certain substances that may or may not be legal in the state and yeah. and we would do that and then go to Taco Bell or we would do it the other way around we'd go to Taco Bell first and then come home that's probably the way to do it it, it was definitely the way to do it you have it just sitting there waiting for you oh god it, it we would get it was the year that they had released the party box yeah so it was like 12 tacos or whatever it is yeah we would each get one of those to ourselves. Yeah. I remember vividly, it was a hot, balls hot day in the middle of August, and I'm just sitting there with a, with like, what is Taco Bell's equivalent of a crave case in my lap, just downing tacos. It was great. It was a great time. When the Party Box came out, I remember Indigo League was just put on Netflix. Okay. And... After work, me and my wife, we're going to go home and watch Indigo League, but we're like, let's stop at Taco Bell, got a party box, and the line was really long in the drive-thru. That's most Taco Bell drive-thrus are. They always are, yeah. have long lines. Are these guys all here for Indigo League? <laughs> no, no, I think so, it's just everybody knows that they're going to get caught either stoned or drunk if they get out of their car, so they just quietly and patiently wait in their car. So while we're waiting in the car, I was like so frustrated because the line was so long. I'm like, I just want to go home, eat Taco Bell, and watch Pokemon. I'm like, wow, I'm like... 11 years old again. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'd be lying to you if I told you that during one of those events where I had an entire party box, Togemon was not on the television for us as well. It was right around that time, so it makes sense. Good times. Pokemon's a show. By default, that's my favorite email ever. <laughs> <laughs> because it reminded you of the good times of Taco Bell. Yeah. If you want us know about your personal fast food proclivities... Send us an email to zthpodcast at gmail.com. Boom! And you can be featured on an episode just like that was. Yes. Correct. And if you don't want to pick a fight with somebody who also listens to the show, that's cool too. <laughs> you can throw it, You can throw another hat in the ring and just leave it there. We're not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, just say Wendy's and then never say anything again. It's great. <laughs> the email just says Wendy's. <laughs> Wendy's, <laughs> you fucks. <laughs> I mean, if they're fans of this show, they better they better curse in the email. <laughs> well, now you know. And that's our email. Let's let you know what we've been watching this week. I forget which one of you went first last time. I went first last time, so. So, sequel, you're up. So, I watched a lot of movies over the uh, long Thanksgiving weekend. How many? But, we'll find out. Yeah, in total, too many to count. I watched all the Rocky movies, including Creed, and I saw Creed 2. Good. I saw that one coming. We talked about all the Rocky movies because Joe recently watched all the Rocky movies. But. I do want to talk about Creed 2. Okay. Hashtag no spoilers. Yes, please. I will not spoil it. I have Creed 2 as my number four movie in the Rocky saga. Okay, so Rocky 2 is number one, whereas Creed number one. All right, so this is just... I'm going by quality of film, not what, like, my favorite is. Okay, so either Rocky or Creed is number one. Rocky is number one. Okay. Creed is number two? Creed is number two. Rocky 2 is number 3? Yes. <laughs> Creed 2 is number 4. Wow, that is... That's high praise. Is it? Is it just a good movie? Like, taking out the boxing nonsense, is it just a good movie? Solid... It seems like it might be. Solid film. I It has its problems. 
But it, it's you have that like I want to cheer in the movie theater moment in it. So oh, it's man. like it, it works. And as predictable as it is, the ending of the climactic fight floored me. I didn't see it coming. Which and there's only, can only be a couple of outcomes. So for them to do something that's like totally off the wall, I'm like, wow, they went for it. So. I can't believe Creed kills Drago's son. That's nah, not it. I can't believe Creed <laughs> kills Drago's son's son. The baby? Closer. <laughs> but yeah, my rest of, the rest of my rankings and full disclosure. Out of all the Rocky movies, there's one bad one. There's a couple of really good ones. There's a lot of whatever you want in the middle. Yeah. We, so if I you want some high, some low, doesn't as long as five's at the bottom and because it's the best, right? Yeah. It, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's terrible. As long as five's at the bottom and you have Rocky in the top one or two, then like your list is perfectly valid. That's right. But I went Rocky Creed, Rocky Two, Creed Two, Rocky Balboa, Rocky Four, Rocky Three, Rocky Five. Forgot about Rocky Balboa. Makes me sad how low Rocky Three is on that. <laughs> now again, I was just thinking back as a kid. I loved Rocky Three. Yeah, I still love Rocky Three. But like as I get older, I'm like, this is the worst training montage. I hate the run on the beach. It's the best training montage. That is the worst. It's the one with Eye of the Tiger. You can't call the one that introduces the country to Eye of the Tiger the worst. Yes, I can. That's a bold. You know what he can. (laughs) He has, and he's doing it right now. Think about it, Rocky. Grid has he gonna fly now? Runs up the steps. Rocky two. You have the. Adrian Wynn moment leading into the... That's the best rating montage, in my opinion. From Adrian Wynn on, that is the best Rocky we get. A lot of people don't like the first half of that movie. What are we waiting for? I love this. It's, it's, it's so good. That is a Rocky good Rocky 3, you, you take it out of Philly. Yeah. You're not running up any steps. You're running on the beach and hugging in the water. It. I just, I just don't like it. It's emotional Music. because they just became best friends. They were friends before that. They're best friends. Okay, great. Super great. Well, it last like, another half a movie. Anyway. <laughs> Rocky IV Jesus. runs up a mountain. That's epic. I love that. And then Rocky V, if the, is there a training montage? I don't, I don't care. No. If it is, it's Tommy Gunn and no one cares. It's, yeah. just, it's a Think fighting montage of Rocky's, Tommy Gunn. Rocky Kid's doing push-ups in the background. So, super great on him. <laughs> anyway. The Rocky Balboa training montage is pretty good, too. I'd have to go back and watch it again. Creed 2 training montage. Good stuff. Can't wait for you guys to see it. Yeah, that's going to be soon. Yep. One thing it's not a spoiler that I have a huge problem with. I'm done with poor Rocky? Yeah. <laughs> you Is should he have money again? by this point. He, he's poor again? He owns a restaurant. He owns a restaurant. He's training a prominent professional fighter who's probably getting all millions and pounds, millions of dollars for these fights. He won fights. many fights when he was boxing. Well, he loses. I know he loses it because that movie didn't happen. Right. Well, yeah, they should eliminate that from the continuity. They keep. They keep. That is five, right? Where he loses all the money. He becomes poor in five, and he stays poor throughout. I understand why he's poor in six, but also like nostalgia is a huge thing in our culture. You're not telling me like there's not an agent going like, "Hey, Rocky, people love you. We're going to sell Rocky T-shirts and sweatshirts, and we're going to make millions of dollars a year. You win. No, cool, I just don't. Sign right here. I don't need that. <laughs> One dollar a sweater. We'll sell millions of them. Oh Do the God. math. We sell it at cost. Done. Done with poor Rocky. Yeah. Super done. Fair enough. I dig it. If he wants to live a simple life, fine. But he shouldn't actually be poor. Yes, I got you. And there's never anybody in that restaurant. 
That restaurant is never trashed. I think I think they only show him in at, at off peak hours. Maybe. Then he, only sh- then he only shows up off peak hours. Yeah. And he's supposed to be the main attraction there. He's busy. I guess so. Anyway. I want every Rocky was my Thanksgiving. So. Okay. That's what you had for us? Yes. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Corey, you're up. Uh, I watched uh, a number of movies over the course of Thanksgiving, none of which are worth talking about because... Either... <laughs> you, no, no, I watch good movies. It's just either we've talked about them at nausea or they're, they're just things I've had on the background and barely paid attention to. But what I did watch, let's see if I can pull them up because I have to... I don't remember the names off the top of my head. I remember one of the names. Um, but I watched a couple of the Netflix comedy specials. So I finally got around to watching Ron White's new comedy special. If you stop listening, I'll shut up. Did that, you stop listening? I did, actually, yeah. Nice. It had one... You showed him. It had... I think I've got 20 minutes left in it, so I'm going to eventually finish it because that's only fair. But there what was only you? one... There's only one part in the entire thing where I, I was laughing. Wow. Yeah. But that being said, that moment was hysterical, and I looked like a crazy person on the train. So that was fun. You fit right in. Yeah, it's true. And then there's another one called, uh, another guy called Bert, uh, Kresher? Kresher? I was hoping you were going to say Macklin. I wish. Uh, it's called Secret Time. If you guys have an hour-ish of your life that you don't mind burning on Netflix, watch this fucking comedy special. It is hysterical. It is probably one of the funniest comedy specials I've watched in the last ten years. It is... I laughed pretty much the entire time from start to finish. Rarely do stand-up... Like, I love stand-up comedy. love watching stand-up comedy. But rarely do I find one that's that funny from start to finish. Every time I thought I was going to hit, like, a lull and I was just going to, like, chuckle a little bit, he hit another joke and I died again. It was unfucking believable I'm worried you just set it up to fail for me, but I hope not. Yeah, it's... I, I thought... I personally thought it was absolutely fucking hysterical. So yeah, uh, Secret Time on Netflix. It is worth it is worth the time. That's everything. That's it. That's it for me. All right. Now for my list of movies. I mean, we've all seen John Wick before, but I watched that. The original. Yeah, the original. Oh, it's such a good movie. It is. So, I forgot how good of a movie it is. Like even my girlfriend stayed awake, and it was like late at night. So that's the mark of a good movie. We we've done it. We did one and two so far, right? Or did we? We didn't do two? one. We, we didn't did, do one. We, we just did one. No, we should sure? the, the release of two. Yeah, we never did oh, the first one. God, game. that's that, that's gonna get tacked on the list now. Why did we never do one? I don't know. I think we just did two because they were thinking about doing a comic book and we cheated because that movie's awesome. That's or we thought right. it was gonna be. That's awesome. actually exactly what happened. And if they actually made the comic book, we can always go back and do John Wick one. So I won't talk about it too much. I'll just say that it's really good and Keanu does a surprisingly good job in it. Surprisingly. You don't think, like, good acting most of the time you think of Keanu, but he... Nah, you don't. He has some powerful scenes in that movie. Yes, he does. I think that scene, or that, that movie, or, or at this point that relative Film. franchise... Yes. Well, both. One John Wick 1 yeah. and 2. They, they both set him up for success. They know exactly what... They play to his strengths. Yeah, they, they know exactly what keys he can hit, and they asked him to hit those keys. So, like, the big line in, in 1 is... Yeah, I'm thinking I'm bad. That should have been a joke line, but in the context of that movie, it just, it worked. It works, you believe it, it's good. That moment he takes a sledgehammer to his basement, the concrete in his basement, I know all fucking bets are off. 
The minute he takes a fucking sledgehammer to it. I don't even know what's in... I don't even know what's buried in there. I just know that shit's about you to go down. You know you're about to find out, and it's going to be something awesome. Yes, I did. So that was John Wick. I also watched All the Right Moves. Nice. I know. Explain to the audience what that is. All the Right Moves is a movie with Tom Cruise and Craig T. Nelson and Leah Thompson that's about high school football, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. It's it's okay. It's fine. It's it's fine. There's nothing particularly wrong with the movie, but it's not really good. No, it's not. (laughs) It's enjoyable. Yeah, like I'm never gonna rewatch it. I don't think. I, that's good. the thing, though. I think movies only need to be good. They don't need to be. Every movie can't be unbelievable, incredible. Well, this like, movie's amazing. not good. This movie is like fine. It has rewatchable moments in it. The, I mean, and I'm not even talking about that. Yeah, I'm talking no, about I, the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking. It's good high school football action. If someone put it on like cable, I would watch it. But, like, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch all the right moves again. Okay. Okay. Speaking along those lines of a movie being fine, I also watched Burn After Reading. Oh, I love that movie. It's a stupid, stupid content oh, it movie stu- that's just dumb and fun. Like, it's it's pretty decent. Every the, Everything with J.K. Simmons in it is hilarious. All the other parts in that movie are okay. That's fair, actually, yeah. But yeah, the J.K. Simmons stuff is amazing. Why don't... Okay. Do do, do we care about this? (laughs) I love J.K. Simmons. That's a Coen Brother movie? Yeah. Yeah. I hear it's it's one of of the weaker Coen Brother movies from people who... I don't really know many of their movies, but that seems to be the consensus. Uh, And then I watched two other really good movies to wrap it up. first one I watched was Gone Baby Gone. Oh, God, that movie's great. Is that the Casey Affleck one? Yeah. Okay. The first hour of that movie is phenomenal. The second hour of that movie is still good, but nowhere near as great as the first hour. Yeah, it definitely takes a dip. I hate Michelle Williams in that. Who's uh, Michelle Williams? Is it Michelle is Monaghan? She, no. Who's the blonde? The mom? Is not Michelle Williams? No, that's that's the chick from The Office. Yeah, right? she's. What the uh, her I get her confused with Michelle Williams. On. Amy Ryan. Okay, I can't stand her. <laughs> She, oh, what's the name of her character in The Office? Holly. Holly. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, I really it is. remember that. I was shocked to learn after the fact that that was Holly from The Office. I was like, wow, she's a good actress. And she got nominated for Best Supporting Actress for that movie. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the movie we're going to review, there's an Office character in it. I don't know if you guys caught it. We'll find out. Yeah. So that's really good. That's on uh, Netflix right now. Gone Baby Gone is also one of those movies where they say the name of the title in the movie. Yep. She's gone, baby. Gone. Gone. (laughs) I think that may have been one of the first times in my life where, like, the glass shattered, where I realized that sometimes they put the name of the movie in the movie. I really think that all movies should have the name of the movie in it. There's a bunch of YouTube videos yeah. online of just... Of characters saying the name of the... Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. It's so, and they, they turned out to be funny at a certain point. If yeah. you just watch it over and over again... There's something really satisfying about it. It is. And the last movie I watched, because it was available to rent for 99 cents, I finally saw A Quiet Place. Nice. That yeah, movie is so good. Wait, wait. 99 cents from where? Amazon. Is it really? Yeah. Still? Well, to rent. But, but yeah. still? It's still 99 cents? Uh, I don't know. I rented it yesterday. Is that a Monday deal? Let's find out. Who knows? But keep talking, because I can't wait to hear what you think about that movie. 
I mean, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. I know you two have. It's but been a year, so. Go it's so it. good. <laughs> the fucking end of that movie, man. Apparently it has really good sign language use in it. Like, I don't know sign language, but Did people who do say so. Did she was deaf from the get-go? I had a feeling, and the actress actually is deaf. Yeah, so I've figured out in the first scene from her perspective, because although it's a quiet movie, from the other scenes before, from different characters... Is there no sound from her perspective at all? Absolutely no sound. Going back, like, looking back, yeah, I can can see... I didn't pick up on that, but yeah, you're right. I missed, when I went to see it... um, You said you missed up to, like, the bridge, right? You walked in on the bridge? I walked in on the bridge. Like, you saw it happen on the bridge, or it was after it happened? No, no, I watched the bridge scene happen. So I thought I, I couldn't have missed that much. Had I seen that opening bit in the store, mm-hmm. I think I probably would have, it would have clicked for me that she was, she was deaf the whole time from there. But they don't bury that lead that hard. No, they don't they, they hide it from you. He's working on the thing yeah. for her the whole yeah. time. and yeah, they, they let you know pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But those first couple scenes, it's kind of important. And it helps set up, like, make the story make sense. Four regular people don't learn sign language like that. Just... Well. I mean, out of the world they live in. Out of necessity, like, yeah, but that but that young, to be that practiced at it, that kid had a deaf sister. Yeah, exactly. All right. No, it makes more deaf, sense. Deaf yes. sister, yeah, but like, I don't know, maybe it's been going on for a while and they just practiced and practiced and practiced. We don't know. That's yeah. another beautiful thing about this movie is that it doesn't really give you much backstory as to how long this has been happening for. Really want it to be a standalone. I'm... Yeah, I don't... I'm on board for the sequel, but it didn't need to have one. I think it ends exactly the way I want it to end. It gave me the emotional gut punch that I wanted out of the movie, and then a satisfying, fulfilling ending that, sure, was open-ended, but I was... I don't see how it's open-ended, though. It just means that they can go on the offensive. Yeah, Krasinski and Blunt, so good... Blunt. Very little talking, phenomenal acting in this movie. Yes. By both of them, particularly Blunt. I love, I don't love it, but this movie just rains shit on Emily Blunt's character. Like, she's constantly put in the worst possible situation. Yeah. <laughs> From, like, three scenes back to back to back. I was like, oh my god. The Step stress the level hell. must be so high. God. What a shitty situation to be put in in the first place. Yeah. Like, I was like, you're going to have a baby? Babies are so loud. I'm yeah. so glad they addressed that and they like had the foresight to think about because I was like, this is going to be so stupid if they just have a baby. And didn't prepare for this. And that scene, that scene, uh, oh my God. She, deserved, she she got a nom for that, right? She got a nom for the movie, right? I don't know. Probably not. Well, she, it hasn't happened yet. Wait, it when did out, it come out? came out April this year. Wow, this doesn't oh, seem wow. like it's come out so long ago. I felt yeah. like it came out well over a year ago. She's not getting a nom. She, she might, but probably not. Nah, I mean, it's... At this point, I think it's not a quarter conscious. one movie. It's a quarter two movie. Black Panther's a quarter one movie. It's getting an Oscar buzz. Well, it's that Black Panther's an anomaly. The Quiet Place is an anomaly. It's a borderline no, it's not. silent film. <laughs> it's, it's a great movie, but it's not really an anomaly. It's, it's a an borderline anomaly. silent film in an era where big, loud bangs are... That people think people are running for. It's very unique. Yes, it's mm-hmm. a great movie, but it's not. It's I'm just. It's possible that she. You're gets tempering our expectations now. I don't know who else is in the running. I haven't seen enough Oscar bait movies. She's not. I've, okay. I love her. I've, oh, I know you do. She does. She probably she might get a nom for Mary Poppins for all I know, but. 
Rush is gonna be fucking Mary Poppins. That movie looks oh, like no. something I don't want to see. Yeah. Oh, she's in it. I'm seeing it. Okay. <laughs> so that's what we've been watching. Let's do the movie fact for American Splendor. Okay. Which came out in 2003. It's rated R and it's one hour and 41 minutes long. It has two directors because they're a married couple. Their names are Shari Springer Berman and Robert Pulcini. Pulcini? I don't know how to pronounce it. They've direct, they direct as a team, so they've directed the same movies, which are The Nanny Diaries, The Extra Man, Girl Most Likely, and 10,000 Saints. I've never heard of any of them. Nope. The movie stars Paul Giamatti, Hope Davis, Judah Friedlander, James Urbaniak, and then Harvey P. Carr, Joyce Brenner, and Toby Radboff as themselves. Sorry, Joyce Brabner. My handwriting sucks. It was budgeted for $2 million. It grossed $7.9 million. $6 million of that was domestic. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 94%. Certified fresh. Is it certified fresh? I'm pretty sure. Does it have enough reviews? I think so. I'll check. Audience of Rotten Tomatoes, 86%. IMDb, 7.5 out of 10. Metacritic with a 90. Certified. Wow. And a user score of 8.1. It was nominated for Best Writing for Adapted Screenplay. Wow. It did not win. What year? 2003? Yeah. I can tell you who did win, but... Please. Yes. Return of the King. Deservedly so. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the movie facts for American Splendor. Let's give you our general thoughts for them, starting with... For it. Starting with Corey. I love this movie. I really, really enjoyed it. There's not much to it. It's, It's following the life of... A complete and utter curmudgeon asshole. So if that's not your jam, you're gonna hate it. But as far as um, like what felt like a truly American story, I think it, it is one of the best ones I've seen in a very, very long time. Sequel. Some of the six percent that think this movie's not good. <laughs> Nothing happens, man. It's just I don't know. I didn't find his life to be all that interesting. I've never heard of the American Splendor comic. However, his appearance on uh, The Letterman Show, I did watch. There's a YouTube clip of all hour and a half of him, all of his appearances together. I found that pretty funny. But other than that, there's really nothing going on in this movie. I found myself like kind of looking out the wall, looking around <laughs> for a lot of it. Um, yeah, uh, this this one wasn't for me. And I'm going to fall somewhere in between the two of you, (laughs) because balance is important, and also that's just how I felt. This movie is good, it's not great, it's not particularly my bag, it's, because it's a biopic, but it's not a biopic for anyone particularly interesting, this is just kind of the guy who complains about everything, and, like, he had a comic, but he sort of lucked into it, I don't know, I don't want to give too much of the movie away in the non-spoiler part, but just, it's acted well. I think some, like, I think Judah Friedlander probably does his best work I've ever seen him do in this, because he's spot on. Would I watch it again? Probably not. (laughs) Those are our general thoughts for American Splendor. From here on out, we're spoiling it. If there's anything to spoil, it's going to be found right here in the specific spoiler section. Let's do this thing. Any of you read the comics ever? No. Even hear of it? No. Nope. I kind of want to read a comic. Just to read it now, just to see. Yeah, I just I'm curious to see a page. 
Like, not... <laughs> I mean, we saw a, page so, a couple pages. Movie, yeah, we saw a bunch of pages in, throughout the course of the movie. I, I don't know. It's, it's something to me reads... So, to your point, it, it's a biopic about somebody that's not particularly interesting. I think that might be what makes me so attracted to this story, is that if, there, if somebody, if somebody years down the line, we get hundreds of thousands of views and they decide to make a biopic about us... This is our this is this is our biopic. It's not about anything that's particularly wild. We don't ha- we don't live these crazy lives. We don't have these crazy situations. We're just whoa, Corey, whoa, people. <laughs> no, I mean seriously. No, we're just people, and that's what this guy is. Granted, this guy is a special type of asshole, but like, I don't know. There's just something so incredibly authentic and real about just some dude from Cleveland who decided to take out his frustrations in comic form, and combine that with the fact that this dude can't draw worth a fuck, all he can do is write. That part bothers me. <laughs> but, but, see, that's, and, and that to me... doesn't really bother me. It, it kind of does. It's the, it's the only don't. reason the rest of his life makes sense. To me, the only reason a dude that is whose comics are this popular, and who's got this much acclaim for his writing... The only reason that dude still works at a VA hospital is because he's not drawing it, so he's not making as much money as everybody else. They only put out, like, ten issues? There's not a lot of issues. Plus the graphic novel, plus the couple yeah. of graphic novels since. The fact that he's a benefactor of circumstance where he knew an artist, and he's just coming up, he's just writing out what he observes, and people are putting his... Life to art. That's um. I don't know. He's not particularly talented. I guess. Like I would have been more. I th- I thought that what going into it, I thought this was going to be about a guy that draws comics about his life, and mm-hmm. we're going to like learn his backstory, like learn what makes him tick, and it was going to be like interesting, like how he's able to apply that to his art. And this guy's not really like an artist, man. I I don't. It's it's he's just like a, a annoying guy that you don't want to be around and. There's no story here. It's just, uh, <laughs> and again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this, this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to throw up my cap shield all, all episode here, and that's fine. To me, like I, I think that having that particular power of observation is is a skill. How many? If I w- listening to people carry a mattress outside and write down what they're saying, yeah, that's a skill. It most certainly is. I've, I've I, got more <laughs> skills than I do. No, no. I what I mean what I mean is nobody had done it before. Nobody has done it since. I'm sure if I take my well, headphones out, if I take well, if fair. I care enough, I can take my headphones out on the train. You're about morning. to say you ride the train. You probably have enough to I power can, an entire series of graphic novels. Presumably, I, I can't name anybody that's that. done it since. But I'm sure people have done it. There's like plenty of like cartoonists and papers that kind of like write about life in general now. I think it's become kind of like a genre. But and then who... Ziggy then, does it. Okay, then perfect. If that's the case, then who created that genre? This guy. Well, this guy had the idea to do it. He didn't do it, though. He just came up with the the the, the story itself. I f- feel like these people that do it now draw it out. I don't know. It's... I mean, if I was going to start a comic, I would be this guy because I can't draw worth a shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, like... 
Are you going to come up with, like, like a hero? Or are you going to come up with, like... You know what I mean? Like, is but Har- not having a hero is the point of American Splendor. Is Harvey P. taken? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, we're just, on, we're just on different sides of the fence there. And I, I, I totally... Well, you're in the majority, from. apparently. Apparently. People love this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that even if you don't appreciate the movie for the same reason that I appreciate the movie, Paul Giamatti's acting in this is pretty fucking stellar. It is very good. If nothing else, even if you hate the guy, if you... Because I can see people... I can see people loving this movie and hating this man. I could see that. That that makes perfect fucking sense to me. He's not a likable guy. He's not a likable guy. He's not meant to be. I mean, he's also... There's actually... The, I assume a portrayal of him because they got the actual guy in the movie and he would have signed off if... No, he would have... <laughs> well, I guess for depending on how the payday well, even, was. Even, exactly. Even, he also even he also even threw that line. Well, twice he throws that line in, into the movie, where he's like, "It's always weird when you see yourself on stage. God only knows how I'm going to feel after this piece of shit comes out." And then he says at the end, "Hopefully, I'll have a, a spot of time between when my sickness ends and when I or my sickness is gone." And hopefully I'll have a, a spot of time between when I retire and when I die. They call those the golden years, right? I'll be able to do that because of what I, my pension and the chunk of change I get from this movie. He says it. He says it flat out that he's doing this for the money. Yes. Um, so he also says early on, because he plays himself. It's a weird movie. Stylistically, it's, it's interesting where you have the person in the biopic narrating himself and they show scenes with him and they kind of either they're creating moments in his life to illustrate why this is how he really is or they're all scripted i can't really tell which is good writing but um he says they ask him flat out did you read the script no i didn't read the script he doesn't care (laughs) these people offered him the most money for his story that's it now i spot checked i spot checked the he says something about like spot checking it to make sure that like like the bulk of the story is 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 there. Like the it's bulk not the even the bulk right. of the story, just to get his writing style down. Like he he wants to make sure he can read it the way he kind of wrote his comics. Mm. That's really it. Because now he's not going to look like an idiot trying to read what they put down. I can't believe that there there. I think the one of the more surprising bits about this. So like when he shows up, like pretty early on, they, I think he's like the fourth character on screen. Honestly, like the actual guy. And when he shows up, I'm like, holy shit, this is going to be real interesting if this is, if the actual guy that did this is the guy that's narrating it. And then they keep dropping other people in that, like, are part of the story. I'm like, wow, they got fucking everybody. And that's, that was cool. The minute that Joyce was sitting there at the table with him, like, the real life Joyce was sitting at the table with him, I was like, damn, that's, you watch this, you watch this movie unfurl, you're like, I don't think they're... I don't think she's going to come on to this movie, but there she is. I guess she's probably in it for the payday, too. Like, What else is she doing? <laughs> well, that seems to be her issue from the get. As far as this movie portrays her, she's a lazy piece of shit. That's probably accurate. I mean, <laughs> she's not refuting it. Yeah. And for one, I, I, I trust the honesty of this movie. I believe yeah, there's a, again, there's an authenticity. puts it down. Yeah. I'm, I'm buying into, and that's and that's one of the things. It's such an it feels so in, it feels so much more authentic than a lot of other biopics we watch. Although the the Letterman clip 
Because that was that was the most interesting thing to me. Is the the first Letterman clip? No, the one where he gets kicked off the show. Mm-hmm. He was on the show several times after that. It wasn't even that big a deal. Like yeah. that was very well, overblown. They shot that one from like the back because they used Paul Giamatti, so it wasn't actually Letterman. Yeah, they didn't actually they, use the Letterman clip for that. Like no, but that happened. Yeah, no, I, I, that's how they have the Letterman audio. But like no, that's actually an actor speaking too. It wasn't. Letterman. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Um, but that happened and. Like, but it wasn't like that intensive a thing, and it wasn't like I'm going to show this. Like, it's they took liberties with that, but again, I don't. That's not like a knock because you need to get people in the theater. You need to get people to watch the movie. You got to spice it up a little bit. I understand that. Well, but you got them already at that point. True, but I bet you a lot of people went and googled David Letterman Harvey Picar fight. <laughs> it's true. Was Google big in 2003? It was. <laughs> See, the question I had was because he's young in the beginning when they're trick or treating. Were all those superheroes things in the '60s or the '50s, whenever the hell that was, that he was that young? Superman, Batman. Was Green Lantern a thing? I don't know. And Green Lantern, if you live, that was the one that threw me off. When, yeah. they, when they zoom out, it's not a Green Lantern costume. It's weird. It's just, it's like a red cape. That's weird. And, yeah, that's what she calls him. And the, doing a little bit of research on this guy, when there's not a lot to do, <laughs> uh, I think he had a DC contract, like a Vertigo Comics, which is, which is affiliated with DC, for for the la- later part of American Splendor. That's probably why he used all DC characters in the movie. I mean, that makes sense. I just want to know if it was like anachronistic and weird, or if they all existed then. Didn't... Uh, did that happen, or do you think it's just to show he, he was like this his entire life? I don't know, but I'm just saying for the purpose of the film because that's supposed to be young him. Yeah, I'm Harvey <laughs> Picar. One of those You're kids all a bunch is, of idiots. It's Josh uh, Hutchinson. Yes. Yeah. Wait, who is Josh, Josh Hutchinson? Hutchinson. He's, he's one of the kids trick or treating. Yeah, it's his first role in the movie. Oh, I saw his name when I just looked it up on IMDb, but I didn't know that. Yeah, again. He writes down what's going on in his life. He knows Crumb. What's it, what's his first yeah, it's name? Crumb. That's that's Rolf from The Office. Dwight's best friend. That was oh yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. The guy who, who the guy who first says these are good. Yes. Let me draw them for you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's Urbaniac. Apparently, there's a movie about his life. Well, he said yeah. They mentioned yeah. that in the movie too. Yeah. It might okay. be a more interesting movie since he draws. <laughs> Although his personality is the most tepid, yeah, awful blase. block of wood, yeah, blase personality ever. That's yeah, true. Like at least, well, that's this portrayal. I mean, Picard is kind of shitty, but like at least he's got some personality to him. I can't, ima- per- I, I can't imagine watching a movie about Crumb. Yeah. I just, I can't. Even if that personality is old, curmudgeon asshole. That's the thing. He seems like he's been an old curmudgeon since he was like 20. Or the the opening scene with the trick or treat. Yeah, he's he a curmudgeon su- from day one. Su- yeah. Suggests he's been a curmudgeon his entire life. Yeah, I don't know. He I really mean, owns it. He does. Yeah. Leans right in. I, th- I think one of the bigger questions I had was the retirement part. Was the retirement party? What, was the, Were the camera crew... Did the camera crew just happen to be there I on th- his last day during the... Time? I'm, just, I'm guessing or did that's, they a, redo that's a re- that? recreated scene would be yeah. my, my assumption. Or was or it like a home, have, or they have, home footage? I think like, it might have been a home video of... Because it uh, looked... But that, and that and the thing about it was like it, the, the footage itself didn't dip in quality. 
to me to be like some the other game. explanation is they filmed this before his retirement party and then they filmed his retirement party yeah that's, I don't know so when he retired he, well hang on quick math because his last Letterman appearance was, appearance was 94 and he said he was 7 years away from getting a pension and as soon as he got his pension, he was out. So I'm going to guess 2001 he retired. And this movie came out in 2003. They could have filmed his retirement. I don't know how long this movie was in the works for. So it's entirely possible that they filmed his retirement party. So his friend, can we talk about him? Kobe. I love him. He's, he is <laughs> the, best. the best part of the movie. Yeah. he's the best part of the movie. When I am you get the to... spring break party nerd. <laughs> that, all those are, all those exist on YouTube? Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's phenomenal. Real, yeah. It was weird to see MTV News pop back up into my life. I never thought yeah, I'd, right? yeah. never thought I'd see MTV News pop into my life again, but there it was. Oh man! Like Judah Friedlander, spot on. Yes. Like as as good as Paul Giamatti captured Harvey Picard, Judah Friedlander is almost unrecognizable yeah, for real. But and it's funny too, it's because like if you were around back then watching uh, MTV News and you saw that nerd. You're thinking, this guy's putting on a show. No one acts that way. But that guy acted that way. That was him. That was... That was Essence of Toby. Yes. Driving 286 miles round trip to see a movie. My kind of guy. of the nerds. (laughs) Priorities. Driving to Toledo. (laughs) I'm so happy with Toledo, too. Just because he could say it that way. We don't have the AMC (laughs) A-list. Did you guys know that Harvey Picard actually passed away? Yes, 2010. Of a drug overdose. Really? Ooh. Yeah, antidepressants. All right, that checks out. That, that yeah, okay, that that fits with what we've learned about him. Go back and you guys got to watch the Letterman stuff. It's the, the they're back and forth. Like Dave initiates it, and like Har- Harvey kind of like feeds into it though. But this is a weird dude. Like I think his second appearance, um, the Browns beat the Jets in a playoff game. And so the show takes place. Letterman shows in New York. Yeah. So, oh, you're a Browns fan? He goes, yeah, but I don't take credit for what they did. Like, I'm just a fan. I didn't do it. <laughs> Letterman's like, calm down. <laughs> just ask me if you follow the Browns. <laughs> so defensive about everything. Yeah, I mean, he feels like everything's a personal attack on him. He's very uncomfortable socially. Yes. Yeah. Which is part of the, the curmudgeon aspect of it all, like... You can't, I get it. Yeah, you can't figure it out. You can't figure it out. I, I also had a problem, a little bit of a problem with uh, Joyce's diagnosing everybody when she diagnosed Toby as borderline autistic. I'm like, no, no, no. That that gentleman is just autistic. Like that's there's no borderline in that in that personality. I'm not a professional. I, so I am. <laughs> I in fact am, and I've worked with autistic children for many years. There is no doubt in my mind. Avidly hate. That Ooh. I think do not belong in this. That okay. I think does not belong in this. I bet movie. it's your least favorite scene. It is, in fact, my least favorite scene. Uh, it is the scene after he passes out, and he's like, "If I die, am I going to live on, or is the character just going to fade into existence?" And he passes out, and then he gets on. And he goes on that like long rant about other Harvey Picards. I'm like, I don't care. This is so out of place for me. I don't see the point of this scene. It's like he's having a hallucination drug trip, and that's just the scene. Like. And it's because he's like it makes sense. I understand why it's in the movie, but there's no need for it to be there. Yeah, I have no interest. in Is that, that the same rant where he's talking about the other Harvey Picard? Yeah, yeah. The phone book. Yep. Yeah. See, I found that mildly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I had no interest in that scene at all. 
I understand what they were trying to do. I understand what they were trying to get across. I just, it just didn't, it didn't ring for me only because there's the guy that we've met, the guy that Paul Giamatti is portraying, the guy that we physically have seen throughout the course of this movie. I don't see, I just, I just don't see this, this being a thing that he did. I see this potentially being a thing that like jumped out at him when he looked at a phone book one time, but I don't see it as a thing that he just obsessed over like this because he doesn't seem to obsess over anything. That, and that he doesn't end up taking an action on. If he obsesses over something, he does something with that obsession. And this, he just doesn't. The, re- the reason I like that so much is because looking up your own name in the phone book for a person like that, who's probably not the most tech-savvy, is essentially Googling yourself, right? Yeah. And he seems like a person that does not give a rat's ass what people think about him. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody, on some level, cares what people think about them. Sure. And that just illustrates that. So he probably got a new phone book. Harvey L. Picar instead of Harvey Picar. Drove that man nuts. <laughs> he got a new phone book every year, and every year he looked up the same. He was like, who the hell are these other Harvey Picars? Well, he He's like, I have to friends. kill these other Harvey Picars. Yeah. There can only be one. There can be only one. So that's my least favorite scene. That's fair. Mine is actually really close to yours. It's just the whole time he's dealing with cancer. Really? It's just really depressing to watch in an already drab and depressing movie. It's just, it's just like, this is a level I don't need. I think that for the first... What, what's weird is that I, I took that scene as the... I mean, granted, yeah, obviously, having to it fight It gets worse cancer, before it gets better. Having to fight cancer is depression. Yeah. But I thought that the way that... Like, I get it. It's important his, to his, his life. Family is, well, I think that the way that his little family and obviously him in particular dealt with the cancer is probably one of the most uplifting parts of this movie. Like, yeah, you can't do anything about having cancer. You can't do anything about what cancer is going to do to your body. But you have a platform and a media that people care about to tell that story. And I thought that that, like, if I get cancer, I I hope I can write a blog and people fucking read it. Like, that's... But they wrote that, our year with cancer graphic novel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or they really wrote it throughout the course of it, but like it was ha- it was it was the um it's probably what kept him going. Yeah, it was what kept him going. It's it's again, it's, you and I love that. Probably what kept him going. See, well, I think that we don't know for sure. Incredibly rushed through. Like not to and again it's a biopic, but when he gets cancer, piqued my interest. I'm like, "Okay, we have conflict." That's kind of an essential part of a movie. What's going? Right, what, how are we going to deal with this? What's going to happen? And then eight now? minutes later, the cancer yeah, is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's interesting. I mean, but even just looking at it from the people in this room's perspective, you think it's the most. It, it's even more drab and depressing. I thought it was the most uplifting part. That for the first time in his life, he didn't just sit there and deal with whatever the fuck was going at him. He like. He got through it. He used he like used his medium to get through it. I, I, I don't know. I thought that was awesome. It's not the comic part that like depressed me. It's just just watching him go through it because it. it's just it's one other thing. Like I've just seen this guy be miserable the whole time, and I'm like, he's even more miserable now. This yeah. is like something I don't need. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, my least favorite. Sure. Why not? Yeah. He meets that lady that he went to college with, and we never see her again. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was just. Yeah, just yeah, catching I'll, up with someone you see in the grocery store. Well, I think I, I mean I think also it was <laughs> it was meant to um, I guess for lack of a better term symbolize the fact that this dude does not have much luck with the ladies. Like he thought no. that like in, in that moment he was like oh 
I'm going to spark a fling with this girl I, ha- I met in college one time. Oh, you have a husband and a bunch of kids? See you later. Yeah, um, he says flat out he pretty much joins up with any woman that like shows any mild interest towards him. Hmm. And, I, and it, is, it is told through his eyes. And like I guess that chance meeting probably wasn't as meaningful to her as it was to him. Yeah. I just wanted... Again, I'm waiting for something to happen. I wanted something to... Like, I wanted this to go. Every time we, we get, like, something mildly interesting, I'm like, all right, now is this lady going to, like, leave her husband? Is this what we're... Is this the interesting part of this man's life? I'm like, nope. <laughs> we're, we're just we're just going right to Joyce now. This and, whole movie <laughs> isn't almost. It yeah. piques your interest, it gives you hope that something's about to happen, and then it doesn't, because this man's no. life is actually that depressing. I guess... <laughs> it's like... There's, like, a beauty and art to it. Yeah. Sure. For sure. And but I appreciate that. Not, hell it's out not of it. my cup of tea, but like oh, I, mine. I get how someone would be all about this because it just it just dashes your hopes at every possible turn. I don't, maybe maybe it's just the in, like the, the indie nature of this movie. Where it almost feel I mean it does feel like an indie film, but for fuck's sake. hundred percent is it's indie made for two million dollars. I, I maybe it's just the indie film lover in me. I loved this style. I loved everything about it. I thought that the, I personally would take this, visually, I would take this over Scott Pilgrim, and they have a very similar visual style, where it's like real life with cartoon kind of fed, like weaved into it. Yeah. I thought this was more natural. I th- I don't think they have that similar of a style, personally. That's fair. I, I Scott Pilgrim feels more like a video game. Yes, it does, but like it, it, well, Scott Pilgrim really leans into that. Yes, where it has the onomatopoeias all over the place, and like it leans into the complete absurdity of the movie. Whereas this is very grounded in real life. Yes, but they still manage to weave that those drawings and the comic the comic aspects into the actual fo- like live footage of Paul Giamatti in a way that I thought was beautiful. I'm a big fan of indie movies because indie movies allow filmmakers that don't normally get the chance to showcase their talents a platform to showcase their talents. Mm -hmm. That's the indie scene. I have a major pet peeve with movies that try to be artsy, and they are artsy, therefore they're good, because they're artsy. Mm -hmm. And there's not really substance there. That has always bothered me. I understand why people like them. It's It's just not for me. You need... I need a story. I think one of the questions in our 100th episode is, what do you look for in a movie? And I said, plot. Yeah. It's got, you, you gotta have something going on here. There's really nothing going on. I'm with you most of the time, and this is one of those times. And for me, I, I, I don't disagree. I think that when it comes right down to it, with 99% of movies, plot is the thing that, that drives, it's, it's, it's the tracks. It's the tracks the movie's on, right? There are certain exceptions to that, and I think when it comes to a life of a relatively mediocre man with a certainly an interesting story, I think not it not having some real heavy-handed plot leaned into what made this movie great for me because it's it just again it feels authentic. It's just. This guy woke up one day, and this is a, this is a thing that happened to him. This guy woke up this day, and this is a thing for him. I wonder if there's a thing called uh, like being too authentic, like to the point where hyper authentic. Hey, instead of a biopic, even though Paul Giamatti is amazing in this, make a documentary. 
I think I would have liked it more if it was a documentary. You take the acting out of it, and you tell the story of how your comics came to be, and how you appeared on Letterman, Letterman and how you kind of got your 15 minutes. Yeah. I would have been fine with a 45-minute, let's go, this is my story, and this is, I did all this for money. Yeah. It, it, do, it does, you know, now that you, now that you use the word documentary, this movie does feel like a documentary in a lot of ways. It does. It feels, it feels like a documentary, but also in the vein of, like, drunk history, where they got actors to do a reenactment of things. Yeah. And it's, so, like, the difference between, like, a biopic and a documentary is you make a biopic about a person that's so interesting, you need to recreate moments in his life because it's a captivating story. Audiences are going to flock to see it. This didn't really require no, that. This, this is totally the opposite. Unless, of course, you go into the super hipster indie world where it's such a plain Jane guy that he's almost extraordinary because of how plain Jane he was. And the legacy that he managed to leave. It's come full circle. But, okay, yeah. the legacy he managed to leave. You've never heard of American Splendor before you saw this movie? But we're... But, <laughs> but here's the thing. As much as we like comic book movies, we are movie fans. And we are self... Yeah. Admittedly, movie fans before we're comic book nerds. We're comic book nerds second. So we're... The movie is what's important to us. Taking the movie aspect out of it, We've heard of things that are culturally impactful. Sure. Because we live on this planet, we all have computers, we watch TV, and when things are in the news, we, we hear about it. It doesn't have to be a movie based on it for this for a general person. I've never heard of this guy before, and if I didn't look crap up about him, I never would have. Like, like that, that's the whole thing. And it's cool that a movie brought to light, so, like... A, like a relatively like unknown person, but there's nothing interesting here. That's that's, that's I I can keep saying it. That's that's my major problem with it. I'm not interested. Yes, I mean I agree with you <laughs> in this point that I don't know what America's Plan there was. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. But this isn't for our generation because this guy. What, what was it? The 60s or the 70s that he was actually making the comic? 70s. 75. 75 he had to go through his three months of silence, which is when, towards the end of that, he started do, writing comics. So they probably came out late 70s, early 80s. So I'm going to say, all right, his first Letterman appearance is 87, and that's to, that's to promote American Splendor Volume 4. The graphic novel version. The anthology. Yeah, because uh, he doesn't even meet Joyce until after, like, American Splendor number 8 has come out. Right. Yeah, so it's got to be the anthology. Well, again, I don't... Did he have weekly... Again, this is not clear in the movie, which is also bothersome. He didn't have weekly issues. No, he only released about 10 issues. Yeah, and they're, they're long. They're, it's not like a, like a pamphlet book here. It's... it's uh, he has anthologies, which, which like, will, will... like You know, again, they it's an anthology. It combines the, other things, but like... The individual issues might have been, like, reasonable regular comic length. It's just that he had no production team. He had no budget to do it with. He was just getting the illustrations from Crumb. Mm-hmm. And other and artists. It, and other artists and putting it together. Oh, yeah, because other people drew him, too. That leads me to my favorite scene. It, okay. Stylistically, when when uh, Joyce shows up in Cleveland to meet him, having no idea what he looks like, and she's just looking at random people in the airport and visualizing... All the, the sketches. The, the, All the, the sketches. sketches. Beautiful. Love it. Love the stylistic choice. And I can't tell, because she's so blasé, 
if she's pleased with a couple, disgusted with a couple, and her reaction to him when he first shows up. I don't know if, if this is like a yeah, I can't, I can't a tell thumbs up, a thumbs down, yeah. something in the middle. I can't tell if she's pleasantly surprised or like mad about it. <laughs> I guess she's mad about it. Pretty much. That's kind of just her thing. So it looks like they came, he came out with... They were all pretty substantial books, about 50 to 60-some pages. Okay. He came out with one a year, every year, between 76... One a year... And 90, 91. So 16 years of about 60 pages of comic a year. 1993, he dropped another so one. That makes sense why he's still a file clerk, because he's releasing one issue a year. Yeah. Plus, that's uh, just a uh, backstory a limited run. into his life. He had, was offered promotions several, several times, but he was so comfortable in his uh, file clerk job. That sounds right. And he was like, no, there's a pension here. This is <laughs> just... Work into my like re- like re- retirement day, so he had zero ambition outside of this. Oh time. yeah, yeah, he yeah. was just coasting. And then he wrote two larger works: one our cancer year uh, and our movie year. Interesting. So our movie year is about this. Yeah. My favorite scene in this movie is probably the. Mm, it's tough. I love so much about this movie. Uh, <laughs> the contrast between you and the sequel is amazing. It's fine. It's, you I, know what? We thought there was going to be a lot more of this than there were throughout the course of the history of this podcast. Honestly, honestly. after I... Oh, That's true. I knew I was going to be combative with somebody on this show, but I... I <laughs> Did you think it was going to be me? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I knew full well. I, I got halfway through this movie. I was like, this movie's fucking brilliant. I honestly, when I was watching this movie, I was thinking, you know what? I don't think anyone's gonna like this. <laughs> and I didn't look up any of the reviews or anything. Then I saw like like a ninety four. Like, oh man, am I gonna be the minority here? But it seems to be balanced, as as Joe said early on. But Joe's has a straddle in the fence, and uh, we're firmly on opposite right, sides. So I'm not gonna pick a specific part in this movie because I I, <laughs> I I find it hard to do so. I'm just going to simply say that Paul Giamatti's performance in this is probably my favorite part of this. I think that he does an absolutely fucking brilliant job at becoming Harvey Picard. And then when you actually look at Harvey Picard and Paul Giamatti like next to each other, like those towards the end of the movie when it like fade like the camera like angle kind of moves Paul Giamatti sitting at the desk and then it goes behind the pillar and then it's him at the desk, like the actual Harvey Picard at the desk. They just they just he really did absorb that personality and really, really became him, and I just, I really appreciated that. My favorite part is absolutely nothing and just nonsense. It's when he starts writing letters to Joyce. <laughs> when the, he, the pencil goes through. Yeah, because I was watching him, I'm like, you gotta lean on something, asshole. <laughs> and then the pencil goes through it, and I was like, that's what you get. <laughs> <laughs> See, the I, I thought that was fucking hysterical, too. And it wasn't until he ripped the piece of paper off of the full fucking pad yeah, so to cheap. do it again. But if he had... Just lean on the pad. If he had left it on the pad, he wouldn't have this issue. It was yeah. so good. It was, oh, it was so good. S- it was so incredibly dumb. Do you... Now, I get... Like, when things like that happen, I always wonder, was that planned? Or was he just... Happy accident. My character would, would react this way. I'm going to do it again. I think that was planned. I Probably planned. I, I, I hope it wasn't. I hope it was an accident. If I ever meet Paul Giamatti, he's going to be the first thing I ask him. I think that... He's going to be like, you saw that? <laughs> It's like, what's, a, what's American Splendor? <laughs> oh, that piece of shit? 
I, did I tell you guys a friend of mine saw Ellen Page in the uh, in, in Manhattan? You did, yeah. And the first thing he went up to her, I just gotta say I love hard candy. And like Ellen Page was like, wow, I didn't think anyone saw hard candy or knew what that was. That's really cool, thank you. <laughs> That's pretty great. I'm sure you get this a lot, but I loved hard candy. No, that, that's not what <laughs> I mean. You'd be surprised, first time. That's the thing when you meet a celebrity, you gotta be memorable. That's the thing, like, if I met, like, like my favorite actors, I'm like, oh, what's an obscure movie? Yeah. <laughs> I was once, I was once gambling in Philadelphia, right after they opened up a casino in Philly, and the guy sitting next to me at the table playing blackjack was the lead singer of one of my favorite bands, I mean, the band's from Philly, so not that surprising that he was there, and he had a side project, he wrote, like, an acoustic album side project, like, that was, like, in honor of his girlfriend that died in a, a car accident. So I, like, dropped that album, and not, like, his, like, popular albums with, like, his full bands. He's like, huh. I was like, I know it's, like, a super depressing thing for you, but I just wanted to say, like, it moved me. And then we continued to play Blackjack. I always wonder how, like, how celebrities would react. Like, like are they going to be gracious? Are they going to want to talk to you? Do they want to just be left alone? Like, it's always like a... I've never been really put in that situation. I've met athletes before, but, like either at a stadium or around a stadium or at, like at a signing like the, the uh they, they know what they're getting into when they do when they go there for I was I wasn't the biggest hockey fan growing up I am now but I remember standing in the lobby of Madison Square Garden and Adam Graves walked by and he looked at me and I looked at him and I'm like why is this guy looking at me and like, <laughs> like my friend was in the bathroom then he was like do you want an autograph or something and I no sir I'm good <laughs> then he kept walking and my friend walked out and was like that's Adam Graves then he like kind of left <laughs> Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's. I, I think that have whenever you're put in that situation, meeting somebody who's famous, it's all about it's all about reading the room. Some celebrities might be in a good mood and be like, "Yeah, man, that's great." And then if the guy seems like he's kind of or girl seems like they're kind of just want to be left alone, leave him alone. Yeah, I guess. Right. And you kind of you kind of play it by ear. I guess you put yourself in like that like situation. Like if we were well known. Yeah, I would right. like. That's why, like, I don't meet celebrities, but if I do, I would just be like, hey, what's up? I'm a big fan of blank. Well, see you later. Yeah, and that's it. That's all it's, That's all it was. Nice to meet you. That's, that's exactly it. You play it low-key, be like, hey, I recognize you, I love such and such, and then go on about your day. I would try to not name the big thing they're known for, yeah. because I'm sure they get that constantly. Probably. Yeah. And you never yell, like, a quote at them from no. something. No. They dude. hate that. I have two funny stories about I listen to about podcasts that. about celebrities. I just hate when you do that. So, um, a guy I used to work with, um, he, his uh, father owned the company, so he was just, like, working in the warehouse because, hey, I work here, and, like, my dad wants me to, but I really don't need this. So he went to Vegas, and he was with his friend, and um, they get off the plane, and Jeremy Piven's standing there, like, in disguise in the airport. In disguise? Yeah, like, he didn't want to be recognized yeah, yeah. at all, but uh, they loved Entourage, so... Oh, no. They walked up to him <laughs> and said, yo, dude, you're Jeremy Piven, like, Ari Goldman, that's, like, awesome. He's like, yeah, yeah, don't, uh say anything how you guys doing I'll take a quick picture if you want this is like kind of leave me alone they're like no we don't need the picture man it's cool go back go back today it's a very nice meeting like, yeah, nice to meet you too and he like takes like five steps no and I'm like that the other friend he goes I have to he went what <laughs> Jeremy Piven looked around and was furious <laughs> like wanted to kill them <laughs> That's such a dick move. Uh. Then, same friend. I guess, guy I know. I don't... 
For, not not really a friend. It, it paints a bad picture for you if he's friend. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Went to Ireland for St. Patrick's Day, and it's it's not Jeremy Piven again. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is this is even cool. Corey would really appreciate like you specifically. I don't know if you watched the show. I don't remember. We'll find out. Okay, so he's with his college buddies. They're in a small village in Ireland drinking, and uh, the barmaid goes, uh, "Oh, do you guys like Game of Thrones? Do you watch Game of Thrones?" I've seen Game of Thrones. Okay. I read the books mostly, but yeah. So they're like, yeah, we love it. So they're like, well, staying in this village is the actor that plays King Joffrey. This is oh. before Joffrey's final season. So they leave the pub. They're walking shoulder to shoulder down the street and they're going, Joffrey, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> they see him riding a bike. Joffrey sees them, takes off. They <laughs> chased him down. And this, this, this act of what was he playing, like 15 when he filmed this, yeah. is terrifying. <laughs> Clearly. But he's they, not a good person in the show. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, he, he was apparently really scared, but they were like, no man, we just wanted to say we love the show and everything. And then they bombarded him with all these questions. And he's probably like, I want my mom. <laughs> like, yeah, like, picture of, like, it is just, they're like, yeah, man, and we did this. That was really messed up. Why'd you do that? He's like, it's, guys, it's a character I play. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't write it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what's yeah. going to happen this season? I'm not allowed to talk about it. It's messed up. I just, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, those are, like, I'm, those two didn't want to be bothered. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that, like, you got Jeremy Piven's okay to take a photo, and you're like, nah, I'm not going to bother you, and yeah. then and he thought he was in the blasted clear. his spot up anyways. That's I, I so fucked. <laughs> I have to. No, you don't. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Be cool one time, bro. <laughs> Once. I'm sure Jeremy Piven's like, I don't know, probably just based on the characters he plays, maybe he's a nice guy. I don't think he is. I don't know. He might just be really good at playing an asshole. Maybe, but it's like too good at playing an asshole where like he probably is a little, little bit of truth to it. See, I don't know. See, the thing, is, the thing that makes me wonder is that a lot of comedians who are really outgoing are really introverted offstage, yeah. so I feel like Jeremy Piven might be really like soft-spoken and like nice. Maybe. Not on screen. But yeah, again, I don't think... character. But like, he's a screen actor, so he doesn't play to crowds. Yeah. So like, because I was listening to a podcast recently, it might have even been top ten where they were talking about like introverts... And introverts actually do pretty well at public speaking, based on what this guy was saying, because they're, they're it's like um, they're just talking about something that they're comfortable in. Yeah. But then if you get them one on one and they have to like answer questions and stuff, they shut down completely. Yeah. So like hmm. I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. if you met Harvey Picard in real life, I wonder how he would act. Oh, well, we can't now, right? Rip. Yeah, man. Yeah, I read the book. Leave me alone. <laughs> Give me money. Give me money. <laughs> All right, we ready for this? Da, 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 I just yeah. want to talk about two more really quick okay. things. Not my favorite scene, but I do like the scene where he's behind the Jewish lady in the supermarket. Oh, yeah. Where she's like, I had a coupon for 12 glasses, but I could only carry six, so I think she... I came back and got six, <laughs> six yesterday, and I got to the other six today. And then, ask the manager. <laughs> and he's just increasingly frustrated, because I think we've all been there. But he like, doesn't get on the other line? No. Like, he, he, just just leaves, leaves. he just leaves. He just leaves. his shit. I don't even need it. Um, well, that just shows how stubborn he is. And really appreciate the opening credits. Yeah. That that was... that was. I like the comic panels walking from... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did like Screen that. to screen. I've, I've always been like a fan of that. That's, so. that's a really good way to do it. Yes. Makes perfect sense for a comic artist. Absolutely. 
Is that everything we have? That's everything I have. I so, yeah. Now is the part where we rate American Splendor using one a scale of one to six Infinity Stones. And if we give it six stones, if someone gives it six stones, they have the opportunity to give it an Infinity Gauntlet also. Joe, why don't you go first? You never go first. Oh, crap. This is the worst movie for me to go first on. You saw right through me. I'm, I'm going to give this a fairly decent score because it's good at what it does. It achieves what it sets out to do, I think. It's not particularly my favorite movie, but a la Spider-Man 2, I wasn't a big fan of it, still gave that four stones because it succeeds. I'm really torn between like a high three and a low four here on this one. I think I'm going to go with the high three just because I'm pretty sure I'm never watching American Splendor again. So um, it goes in the three range for me. It's almost a four based on just achievement and success and what it's, its scope and what it's set out to do. And Paul Giamatti and Judah Freeland are fantastic. And it, Hope Davis is fine. She portrays the character pretty well from the one live-action scene we get of Joyce. So, yeah, if it's your kind of thing, check it out. If it's if you like more plot-heavy movies, don't. Who goes next, guys? I'll go. See who goes next. Although this movie achieves what it wants to achieve, I don't like where it went, because <laughs> I don't think it goes anywhere. I don't find the subject matter, or the, the, the main character, Harvey... Wow, Picard? Picard. 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 No, Luke. Star Trek. Star Trek. Next Patrick generation. <laughs> and I don't find him to be particularly interesting. However, it's not poorly made. They don't make poor choices. It's this is the poor choice is making this to begin with. But but since they made it, they they do the best um, they can. Yeah, the best they can with what they have to work with. I'm gonna give it two stones. I'm never gonna watch it again. And Corey, tell us how we're all wrong. I'm not going to tell you guys how you're wrong. I think that this movie is a perfect example of a movie that can go... That is going to have very... I could see this movie being more polarizing than it is. Apparently, most people agree with me, which honestly kind of surprises me. But this movie is up my alley. This is my type of movie. I love everything about it. I thought the performances in it were fantastic. I was interested in how not interesting the movie was, for lack of better terms. I, outside of the one scene I talked about that was my least favorite, I have a hard time finding anything I don't like about this movie. I want to give it six stones, but that just seems wrong. Like, I can't, I, I, it's hard for me to come up with a reason to knock it, knock a stone off, but that being said, I just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a six stone movie. Is it? No. No. I don't think it is. You're, you're asking the wrong person. I know, I know. I, it's, I don't know, I can't. Yeah, I, I walked in here trying to decide whether or not I was going to give it a 5 or a 6 right out the gate, so I think I'm going to stick with my initial gut and say that it is a 5 stone movie easily. I, if I sit down and watch it again in the near future and I love it again as much, maybe it'll go up a stone, but I'd say that this is a f- solid 5 stone movie. And those are our ratings for American Splendor. If you have seen American Splendor or you've ever read the American Splendor comics and you want to let us know... How that went for you, you can do it via email, and we're at zthpodcast at gmail.com. Boom. If you're on Twitter, you can follow us uh, and talk to us about movies on there whenever you'd like. We are at zthpodcast. I want you to draw your best... Stick figure. Stick figure. Thank you. 
Draw your own American Splendor. And draw your own little American Splendor and send that to us on Instagram at ZTH Podcast. Don't call it that, though. Copyright. True. We're on Facebook. I don't know if anyone visits us on Facebook. More people do than Instagram. All right. I think. Solid logic. Uh, we're on Facebook. Facebook.com slash ZTH Podcast. Or search for us in Facebook. Zeros Talking Heroes. And find us on the iTunes or your podcast app. And give us the old five-star review if you're enjoying the show. And if you want to leave a review, that's awesome, too. We'll read it just like an email. And if you haven't yet subscribed and you're listening right now, you should subscribe. It takes one little click, and you get all of our episodes automatically when they come up pretty much every Monday morning unless something happens. And then it's like Tuesday morning, which is rare. I got one I got one on a Sunday. I got... Yeah, sometimes it's Sunday it's night. Sunday night. Sometimes if I put it up early on Sunday night and you're subscribed, you'll get it. Sometimes it's a bonus Sunday night. You know, subscribe. Magic things happen. So tune in next time. We're going to be doing the movie Stardust, which if you want to get a head start, it's on Netflix streaming. So if you want to watch it and be prepared for when our episode of it gets released, check it out. And thank you for tuning in to this episode. And as... Always, it's my job to let the people know that every movie out there is someone's favorite movie. American Splendor became someone's. It's, it's probably Harvey Picard's favorite movie. <laughs> Could be. I don't think he has a favorite movie. Had. <laughs> Guys, we have to remember to talk about him in the past tense now. I said was. You carry your favorite movie to the beyond, Corey. Still his favorite. Forever. <laughs> That's his Desert Island movie. About himself? That's a terrible choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I lived all these. <laughs> I was gonna let that fade. Yeah, you gotta let that fade. I don't even need to say goodbye or anything. Alright, so I just think.